from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk or passion, Jim Beach. School for Startups Radio, it is February 1st, 2024, and we have a very special show for you. We're actually doing a series here in February, and I'm very excited to bring back Wayne Elliott to the show. He was on two or three months ago and is also one of the executives at the Strauss Naturals team. Strauss Naturals has been sponsoring our radio show, and so we're incredibly grateful for that. And as we've gotten to know Strauss Naturals and the incredible benefits of those great products, we have gotten to know Wayne Elliott. He has been a Strauss Naturals customer. You know, I'm not only the owner, I'm also a customer. He's been a customer for 30 years. He had a heart attack at the age of 35 and has been a loyal customer since then and eventually I think ended up becoming part of the ownership team. Wayne has also had an incredible uh, business background, especially in the recycling industry. He takes huge thousand foot long ships and reduces them to environmentally friendly piles of uh, convertible usable materials. And also is very active in the lithium recycling, the, you know, the little batteries from our cell phones and all of the like. So really great job of helping the environment. Anyway, Wade is going to be with us for the entire month of February talking about his incredible career and some of the lessons that he has learned. And today is the first part in that series. And so we're going to get started in just a second with Wayne Elliott. We will be right back. School for Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Experience running a businesses for 53 years, and he's going to be with us and tell us some stories. Wayne, welcome back. How are you doing? Always well. Thanks, Jim. How are you? I am well. Tell us your background. Just give us the resume. Go, start when you were 18 and work your way up to now and just sort of give us the overall uh, business history. Okay. Well, I was an athlete in my youth, and uh, uh, other than a, a bleeding heart when I, when I left all that in my uh, 20s, 
um, mostly due to a fear of flying, Jim. That's the straight truth. The idea of flying in an airplane a hundred times a year or something, it wouldn't have ever worked for me. I'd have been a nervous wreck. So um, that was the first thing. I probably... Can you fly today? Well, I do everything not to. And then foolishly, I was doing a big job on a dock rebuild one year ago out in Nova Scotia. And at night to entertain myself, I watch May Day videos. That was a mistake. That was a big mistake for me. So I kind of decided I'll never fly again. I've flown lots, but I've driven millions and millions of miles. I once drove to your southern border, uh, Brownsville, Texas, for two meetings. And uh, I was three 15-hour drives, days, three 15-hour day drives, going and coming home. Uh, that's how much... I dislike flying. Uh, when I drive to Florida, it's always driving. It's 24 hours instead of two and a half in a jet. When I drive to our yard out in Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia, way out in the North Atlantic, it's a 24-hour drive. I drive it all the time, and uh, the flight's two and a half hours. So um, when I tell you I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to fly, I'm not kidding, uh, Jim. But You are uh, serious, yes. It's my only fear. It's my only fear, and darn it, it sure cost me. It's cost me in business. It's cost me certainly in some fun and some vacations that I would cancel the last minute uh, and uh, cost me from seeing some, some more of the world. And I mean, I've been to Asia. I've been to Europe, but it was all business, and uh, I wish there was a bridge. I would have drove to Thailand and Hong Kong and and uh, the Netherlands and and uh, Croatia, where I went and spoke. Do you have to drink uh, so yeah, real. Up? How do you do it? Do you have a drink? Do you take a, a Demerol? No, no, no. I don't. I don't drink at all. And I, I no. I, you see, the crazy thing is, Jim. The actual flight itself isn't the worst part. It's uh, the build-up and thinking about it. So anytime I do fly, I get it right out of my mind till the morning of, and uh, and then go and do it if I have to. But I honestly hope to never fly again. To be honest with you, I got to go to the West Coast this year, and that's a that's a five long day drive each way. And I hope to uh, enjoy it and stop here and there. You know, most of my drives are straight through because I feel guilty about the time, so I drive all night. And, I rarely stop on a 24-hour drive except to fuel and use the bathroom, get a coffee or something to eat. Uh, and that's not good either, you know, to uh, to do that to yourself. I've got quite a strong constitution. And I, I just did it last two weeks ago, uh, straight through from southern Florida, and I had two meetings, two three-hour meetings on the way home, and I still came straight through. All right. How good so, were you really at what were you Football or baseball more likely to make it uh, professionally? Base baseball is where I had an offer from the pros. With football, it was for a Canadian team, and it was only as punter. And you'd be, I'd be embarrassed to tell you what they were paying back in those days. And I just wasn't. I was never a guy that sat the bench, so I sure wasn't going to just go and kick for any team, as much as I loved it. Uh, but baseball, uh, uh, the biggest hardball tournament in Canada was when I was. 16 and uh, uh my catcher and i i'm left-handed pitcher and i had some very very good breaking pitches and uh 
So I ended up, I wasn't supposed to do this, especially in mid-season with another team, but I ended up pitching 21 innings in one day, struck out 32, and uh, the next week the New York Mets made myself and my catcher, also 16 years old, an offer to uh, sign with their firm club. 7000 bucks each, you know. However, in those days, that would buy you two Corvette cars, $7,000, Jim, so it's all relative. And that will be my one regret that's all my fault, you know, with this flying business. And um, uh, But after that, I got into the, as a kid in the summertime, I uh, worked in a shipbreaking yard, and I really quite became infatuated with ships. That's where I learned how to use a blowtorch when I was 14 and learned how to run a crane between the summer of 14 and 15 and, and uh, towing ships and all the rest of it. And that's been my main job, our main business for many, many years now, third generation now. We're also in the scrap metal business. We're in the hazardous waste business. We're the largest alkaline battery recycler in the world uh, with our company here in Port Colborne. We just sold, by the way, so that's one of the duties off my off my roster. Um, and the natural health business, which has been the most rewarding, particularly since they saved my life. And uh, I believe now for a second time after the myocarditis I got this last spring, uh, I'm sure glad I didn't take any pharmaceuticals or any pills or anything like that, but once again, my the natural formulas from Strauss, and here I am. I, I made it through it, and uh, I'll be 70 in a couple of weeks on Valentine's Day, and um, back to having my normal energy, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'll be forever grateful for that, and I actually direct and run that business now out in British Columbia. So... Um, it sure went by fast, Jim, but there was uh, a lot of ships, uh, millions of tons of scrap steel and, and ships that we've recycled. So we, I always felt good, as dirty as our businesses are and dangerous, I've always had the extra reward of knowing that what we do is very good for the environment, uh, uh, not letting these things pollute our water, air, and land, but rather recycle them properly the batteries uh, even more so. We were doing uh, about 12,000 tons a year of those little remote control TV batteries, the little consumer batteries. I don't know how many million batteries that is, but 12,000 tons of them is a lot. And uh, we did that for the province of Ontario for 15 years and then uh, just sold that company. Um, so I've been in unique businesses, but I always was able to have the additional benefit, Jim, of feeling good as an environmentalist and one who believes we sh we shouldn't, you know what, where we eat. Um, I've I've been like that. I saw a lot of polluting things in my young days at that shipyard, and they'd burn copper to clean the insulation off it. And I remember that horrible taste in my throat that I would get just uh, standing in the vicinity, and and uh, so. I've I've got the extra reward of feeling good that I believe we we do our bit to help our environment, our natural environment. Well, that is very impressive, uh, and we will come back to that a whole bunch, Wayne, for sure. Uh, give us the family background, uh, mother, father, siblings, all that kind of stuff. I have one sister who worked with me for. 
I'm not sure, but about 30 years. She was uh, very supportive. She looked after the office end of things. She's a, an accountant and uh, hard-working lady. Our father, the best thing my father taught us was to work hard and not fail. Um, and so we both worked very hard um, through through many years. Now, she's younger than me, and she's been retired for 10 years, so I guess she's the smarter one. Uh, I'm still at it. And, uh, but it's, it's my life, Jim. It's what my life has been. It's, uh, it's my hobby and all the rest of it. I love to talk about business, whether you're going to put a hot dog cart on the corner or you're going to open a steel mill. I'm real interested, keenly interested in talking about it. So I, I don't regret that, that it's been my, my world really in my life too many hours a day, most of the time, but if I didn't like it, I guess I wouldn't have done it. And uh, my dad, he was a, a smart man, a real entrepreneur. Unlike me, my dad got bored as soon as he got something running well. He did many, many things, including being a politician. And as soon as he got a business where it was smooth and running, he got bored and wanted out of it. So uh, I'm the opposite. I'm I'm okay with smooth and and, and things going nicely. Uh, so we're very different that way. My mother was great. She worked with us sometimes in the business on and off, depending on our needs. And um, my grandparents started in the grocery business in the north end of Hamilton, Ontario in 1926 in the front room of their apartment. And they had a sign, a handwritten sign. I still have the black and white photo. It said, Lux Soap, five cents, hamburger, 10 cents a pound. And so they were in business through the Great Depression, through the Second World War, and uh, they sure knew from tough times. I lived with that grandfather my 18th year. Uh, the football team I was on, we won the national championship that year. It was a wonderful year, and living with him was was just great. And, uh, you know, if there was a, a tablespoon of kernel corn left after supper, Jim, it went into the soup. It was never, ever thrown out. And uh, my grandmother, she died years before, but when she was well, would always tell us it was a sin to waste. And so that's the way we were raised. And uh, um, just, you know, we, we're, we don't like waste. And so we come from, from people who sure did work hard, uh, started with nothing. And uh, so our, our family, if you count our grandparents, were... We're in our 97th year of business. My cousin still runs that original business in Hamilton and uh, supplying the ships with food and groceries and mops and so forth. And uh, we've, our side of the family expanded into these other things, recycling and the environmental businesses and, and uh, now the health business as well. And when, so, when you were 18 working in the shipyard, was that for a family business at that time that your father had, or was that? Uh, for no, just a normal no. job. When I decided I didn't want to buy the Dairy Queen uh, that I'd leased for since I was 16, um, my dad sold it, and I went to work in another scrapyard for a year, running their crane, driving a truck, whatever they needed me to do. It was just kind of a, a stopover. And then uh, the following, or later that year, 1973, I started into the, the business. We planned on scrapping ships, but there was a deep recession on then. 
and the Canadian Transport Canada gave ships an extra year to run on their five-year certificates uh, because of the tough times, and, and very few ship, no ships were being scrapped. So we kind of waylaid that idea and took a detour into the scrap metal business and went around to farms and with a torch and cut stuff up and hand-loaded it. I was... I think I was four years till I could afford a crane or other lifting device. I did everything by hand, and and uh, uh, so we really did know how to work, Jim. And um, I joke sometimes that you know I, I uh, some people seem to think I've done all right starting these different businesses and running them for decades like this, but I I, I think really I was a ten month baby, if you will. I was both old fashioned. I didn't, uh, was taught not to borrow money and, um, the hard way really, I guess I, I, uh, you could say my dad used to say he was from the school of hard knocks. Uh, my grandfather only went to part of grade two before he quit and went to work for, for the family at seven or eight years old, you know? Um, so raised by tough, Scots Irish uh, ancestors. Uh, great, I mean, don't get me wrong, we certainly didn't do without anything, Jim. I've not had one day where I went to bed hungry in my whole life, and I never went one day where I didn't have a, a good, warm place to sleep. So I've been blessed. And uh, that, that's a charmed life, in my opinion, when so many people uh, don't have that. And, uh, but you know, I, I believe we were raised the right way and taught how to work hard. And, and so that's what I did really. I just, the years went by, I got to tell you, I can't believe I'll be 70 in a, a week or so. Um, they really do go by and, uh, uh, they, I worked, you know, I worked at least double duty for most of those years. And, uh, as I say, I, you know, I don't regret it, mostly, I guess, because I believe we've done good things for, uh, for Mother Earth and, uh, and our fellow man. And so we always had that to feel good about, even if times were tough and uh, there was no extras around. Um, so I, I, I really don't regret any of what I've done. There sure are easier businesses uh, than some of the ones that we're in, but... Um, safer, easier, not as complicated, not as government, uh, you know, we, we, we answer to a dozen government agencies in these hazardous waste and shipbreaking businesses. Um, so, and luckily we've, we've, we've not cheated. We don't do shortcuts. We don't want to hurt anybody on the job. We've always sacrificed money instead of, uh, taking risk with people's safety or, or the environment. And, uh, I think in this business, that is the key to longevity. You may not be the biggest or ever the wealthiest, that's for sure. But if you, if your reputation is you do things to the very best of your ability, follow the law and do things right. Uh, I, I think it's the best key to longevity. Really. You don't have to look over your shoulder or you don't have to lie. You don't have to, to, uh, stand up for yourself if you've done things that aren't right and and uh just an easier way to go honestly just play the i used to say the the con is the con in business is that there is no con you know that's that's the angle there's no con here 
it's a, it's a straight up, straight up deal. And, uh, I, I find that that gives you, it usually wins over people's respect and, uh, and so forth. And, uh, the other thing that's rare today, Jim, and it, it irks me because it's, it's the key to great power is, is owning, owning your own issues. I was going to say the S word, S H I word, own your own poop, so to speak. Uh, be responsible, you know, uh, if you've done something that didn't work out at your work, you know, just apologize. Yes, you made the mistake. Yes, you know what you did wrong. And yes, that won't happen again to your boss or your, your whoever, your supervisor. Standing up. You know, today we live in a world where even lawyers have LLPs. That stands for Legal Limited Partnership. Everybody wants as much buffer between them and any problems as possible. Uh, I like the other approach that the buck stops here. And I can't tell you how many customers I've said, listen, if anything goes wrong, it's my fault. All right? I'm the chief ticket here. So any problems, it's on me, and I want you to call me. There's great power in that, Jim. Owning up. Owning up, standing up, uh, taking responsibility. It's not fashionable today, but people really underestimate, and then so many people just can't or won't do it. They're pointing fingers. When they point that index finger out, if they just looked at their hand, there's three other fingers pointing back at them. Um, and and I, I have truly found it very powerful if if you're dealing with a stronger, wealthier, more powerful uh, associate in business or someone you want to do business with, it, uh, it's the best way to disarm them. Uh, just owning your own, taking responsibility, saying the buck stops here, real power in it. And yet it's, uh, it's so unfashionable and you hear it so little, uh, that, uh, uh, that people are, are standing up for, for what they say and what they do. So that's one big tip that I give to everybody, and it's the easiest way out. If you're in trouble with somebody, if you had a dad like mine, trust me, it was easier not to fight with them, just to just to take ownership. Yeah, I see that, Dad. I know know what I did wrong, and I've I'm sorry, and I won't do won't do that again. And then it was over with, you know. Uh, so it's even the easiest way out, but people don't get that. Uh, and a lot of people, I should say, Jim, don't don't get that, or they're afraid to to expose themselves, if you will. And and you know the the other thing is, you we all know somebody who has a real victim identity. Uh, they'll tell you eight different stories how they got how they got hard done by, how they got cheated, or how they got beaten. And the one interesting thing is, who's the common denominator in those six or eight or five stories? them and 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 people generally speaking a lot of people don't don't look at that so if you're going to kid yourself uh jim good good luck to you really in the business world um that's that's my advice on that point we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back
Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's that's a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. It, that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back again speaking with Wayne Elliott in a special edition deep dive into his career. Wayne, tell me about the Dairy Queen. How did it come about that you were leasing it? You leased it from your dad. Tell us the story. I know you were well, drinking that was probably the many, worst thing ever happened to me. A day there? Was that the story? Yes. Yes. I'm just, just going to say, although it was an easy business, it was just hours, lots of hours. I, I really didn't like as a young fellow that. The busiest days were Saturday and Sunday when some of my buddies would be at the quarry swimming and having fun or, or going to somebody's wedding or somebody had a party. And uh, those those were the important, busiest days to work. So I did not like that at that age. But um, the worst thing for me was my favorite drink in the world since I was born was always milk. And milkshakes were truly, to this day, I mean, if it was healthy and I could live on them, I could live on milkshakes. I just love them. I don't do that anymore because by 35, I had a, age 35, I had a heart attack and clogged arteries, and I know it was all that milk. Uh, so, you know, that was a good business, so much simpler than the businesses I ended up in, Jim. Uh, keep the place clean. Make sure there's no garbage in the parking lot. Make sure the windows are spotless. There's not ice cream anywhere. The bathrooms are spotless, and uh, and good good service and good quality. And you're you're okay, decent location, and that's about all the magic there is to it. If I had uh, liked that business as much as I liked milkshakes, uh, I'd probably still be at it. It was very profitable, and. Um, but as they say, it it, uh, it it wasn't really for me at that age. You know, at that age, you want to have some fun. And uh, it was even interfering in sports and my uh, baseball that I was playing. And and uh, so I, I don't regret it, certainly. Um, that's for sure, that retail experience. How'd you get but, in uh, there in the first place? How'd you get the job and then work your way up? Well, my dad bought a Tim Hortons, excuse me, and my dad bought a walk-up Dairy Queen, just a walk-up, no seats inside, from the fellow Ron Joyce that ended up owning Tim Hortons in Canada here. Uh, just died not so long ago, a multi-billionaire, and he was a policeman walking a beat in those days. And my dad knew him, and he said he'd like to sell this Dairy Queen because he's got a chance to open up the second Tim Hortons donut and coffee store with Tim Horton, the hockey player. And if he could sell the Dairy Queen, he's got a deal with him. So my dad bought it. So from 14 years old, uh, for a couple of years, I just worked for him. And, uh, um, you know, it was, there was no seats inside or anything. It was just walk up like most of them are. And, <clears throat> excuse me, put lots of hours in at that. And then at 16, uh, <clears throat> I leased it from my father and paid him so much a month, and I ran the, the business. Um, and that was good, because that was the first real money I'd made. When I was working for him, Jim, he paid me $5 a shift. That was a 12-hour shift, opening till closing. Uh, set up and clean up, you know, it was 12 hours. Um, and uh, and yet the young 
students, young ladies and that working for us, they were getting, I think, a dollar five an hour as minimum wage. So they were making twice as much as me. And uh, so I had incentives to do better, you know. And I was working at the, uh, uh, I guess the summer I was, maybe that summer I said, well, I want to do something else too, Dad, and make some money. So I worked at the shipyard, as I told you, that he was managing for a family. He was self-taught. And there I think I got, uh, I think I got a dollar twenty an hour. And uh, five bucks a shift at the Dairy Queen. So I was, you know, I was... I was at least making some money and, and working a fair number of hours, that's for sure. And then when I leased it from them, geez, I was, I was making a few hundred dollars a week, Jim. And uh, uh, so I, I guess that's where I got my taste for business, that, geez, you know, if you work hard at this, you can do okay. And decided I wanted to go into business. I, I didn't finish my formal education. Um, and uh, so that's that's what happened. I was working in that shipyard as a kid. Well, back to the Dairy Queen. Uh, I don't like believe that. the Dairy Queen. So you did you propose this to your father, or did he come to you with the deal of leasing it from him? We came up with it together because I was complaining to him that I didn't think it was fair that I had to work for $5 a shift. And the girls were getting more than double me, and I was running the, the shift. And uh, it was all my responsibility. He didn't give them hack if the parking lot wasn't cleaned up right or anything else was wrong or the ordering was wrong. Uh, he'd always, you know, I had the responsibility right from that first year. And my sister, she started younger. My sister started there at age nine. And uh, by the time she was 11 or 12, Jim, she ran her own shift. Uh, of those teenage girls and, and uh, a couple of young guys. So, you know, as I said, we were really taught, my father taught by the school of hard knocks and uh, uh, we learned our lessons well, raised not to waste and, and so forth, portion control. And, and uh, so we came to it together, really. I was complaining to my dad about pay and he said, well, you know how to run the place now. You want it to be your business, and I'll just lease it to you. And uh, I said, "Yeah, yeah, I would." And so that was my first personal experience at, at age sixteen with with my own business. And uh, and then it was more exciting for me, Jim. There were some Sundays, Sunday afternoon and evening, where where I made like three hundred dollars. Uh, as opposed to just working on Sunday while my friends are out having fun. And so the, the money, which I'd never earned before, that was an incentive. That was nice. I bought a car, um, and, uh, went on from there. And I did like, I, I must admit, I did like right through my career being my own boss. Um, because I don't think anybody, kicked me in the behind as bad as I kicked myself. Um, you know, uh, I was hard on myself when I should have been. And, uh, you know, happy and proud of myself when I, when I uh, would do something well. Hit a home run or a single, as if it was baseball, but it's business, you know, have a success. 
then it, it, it made me feel good. I loved hiring people and having and working with other people. So at the highlight of my career, uh, this is with shipyards, battery plants, scrap yards, and the health business. I think the most that I, I ever had folks working with me was 180 people. So it was never a big company. And uh, that 180 people would have been on like six or seven different sites. Uh, we used to have a, at least, a, we used to have twice a year, a barbecue in the, in the early fall and a, and a Christmas party where everybody got together so they all knew each other all on the same team really even if they were in different businesses and and uh we wanted it always i always wanted it to be like a family and if you get hundreds and hundreds of employees that's very tough to do it's even tough to know them all and i always loved how uh you know i i always considered it a team i don't see the difference between business and football, uh, except for the, you have referees in football, you've got lawyers in business and in life. That's why football's better, but uh, no, no lawyers. Uh, uh, but it, the, the, the team thing is just the best. I was a team sport player. I always loved that. And so I approached the same thing in business and uh, the biggest key to success in all the years where there just was no extra money, Jim, and I'm talking about, by goodness, over 20 of them, there was just no extra money. Uh, we managed in smaller ways to let every staff member know how important they were to us and how we honestly cared about them. And when we had money, we shared it with them and, uh, uh, you know, that's a big key, too. If the people that end up working for a, a business owner believe that he or she cares about them, you're talking about a world of difference here, just a world of difference. And I think, I think that's the single biggest thing that uh, our family did right in business was to have an honest care uh, for those people that worked with us and an appreciation. Hey, back to football, Jim, have the left guard not show up today. I got news for you. You're losing a football game today. So we always told everyone there's no unimportant positions. If it was an unimportant position, you wouldn't be here. And, and if someone misses, well, it's like that football or baseball team. Again, if you got a hole in your roster, you're going to lose. That's the same thing in business. So it's a, you know, it, it was a, a win-win situation to be like that with our staff and truly care about them. I mean, especially in dangerous businesses, Jim, you can bet I didn't want people hurt, and I sure didn't want anyone lost. Everybody's got to go home to their family at night and then come back the next day. Uh, these were the things I felt were important, and I have no regrets about that. Could I have made more money in different businesses? You bet. I could have stockpiled hazardous waste like some of the big companies do, just took the money and put the stuff in the barn or the warehouse or wherever. Uh, we never did that. Um, and I always said to our people, my sons, managers, young people that grew up around my house that ended up in a foreman, superintendent, manager position, you know, don't, don't do anything that you won't be proud of if, if the cavalry shows up. 
the government shows up, if your customer shows up, uh, the authorities show up. Don't don't. There's a there's a gauge for you. Don't do anything unless you can be proud of what you're doing. No no shortcuts. Don't you know? Don't play around with safety. Don't play around with the environment. Let's just do it right, and then have nothing to worry about. And uh, and and I, again, Jim, I would never have got to be as big as some people in the industries that we were in, that we're still in. Uh, we certainly won't be on the Forbes magazine cover as the richest at anything. Um, but I just I just think it was the best way to go through uh, having that good rapport. Never been in a union environment. Uh, we've always paid our people extra and bonuses, as I said, shared with them. So there was no need for it. They didn't have to come for raises. We, we did them as often as we could and, uh, where they were deserved. And so, you know, I think these are very important elements. Uh, I think some of the wall streeters, as I refer to them as, that are 90 day life cycles in the, in the stock market. Uh, if you're sitting high and up, up in that ivory tower, that you really don't know what's going on on the ground, uh, it might not work out for you. You know, you, you've, you've got to be in tune. You're making decisions about people and what they're doing, and you really ought to know uh, a fair bit about the situation and not... When I hear these cuts of, okay, so-and-so is cutting 10% of their workforce, 20% of their workforce... That's a number been derived in the in the boardroom with the accounting people and so forth, and and uh, uh, no thought about on the ground. What if uh, what if Jim and Wayne are in a small department with another person, and there's three of us, and there's a fifteen percent cut, and we have to be rid of one of the three of us? Well, what if the three of us are needed to do that that job properly? So, I. I think Wall Street's a lot of smoke and beers, you know. Uh, I, I, to me, it isn't the what business is really about, Jim. Uh, and in my opinion, as a small, as a little guy, uh, I, I don't. Certainly, a lot of people work in Wall Street, um, but the things I'm going to talk about have nothing to do with that world, you know. It's uh, it's more the real stuff on the ground, what people are going to experience in business, and uh, hurdles that are going to come along. And Wayne, let's wrap Gross. it up right there and get ready for next week. Then we've got we've laid out so many great principles. I want to go and just let you know some of the notes I took. You espoused. Let me see. I think I got nine Wayneisms. Never borrow money. We're not going to cheat. We're going to pay attention to safety. Number three, number four, we're going to be legal. Number five. I love this. The con is there is no con. Number six, we're going to own up and be responsible. We're not number seven. We're not going to play the victim ID card. Number eight, we're going to care about our employees. And number nine, you do the right thing. You don't have to worry about getting caught. How's that sound as a summary? Absolutely, yeah. There's so much more I want to talk about, like plant capacity, actually, to you know, to help people that are thinking of business, or maybe they're in business. Uh, easy to create an overhead, that's for sure. That's the easiest part of it. 
hang a shingle, create an overhead. Now, now pay for it. We'll start there next week, okay, Wayne? Sounds good, Jim. Thank you. All right, we are out of time for today, but we will drop another one of these next Thursday. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Bye now.